0: Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, the podcast for writers who strive to be bold and readers who crave something new. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I want to thank you for being here, and I want us to stay in touch, so subscribe to this podcast, then go to writingtherongway.com, and enter your best email to receive the Martian Embassy Missive, my bi-weekly newsletter where I let you know what's happening on Mars, where we're always making big plans. Join the Martians so you don't get left out of the invasion at writingtherongway.com, And as a special bonus, I'll send you a free book. Speaking of books, my new book is called The National Gallery, and it contains sonnets about Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, elegies lamenting the death of my iPhone, and other strange missives from yours truly, the poet laureate of hell. Visit thenationalgallery.ca to order your signed copy. That's thenationalgallery.ca. So I'm talking to Ian Kinney, and who... He is the author of Air Salt, which is subtitled A Trauma Memoir as a Result of fall And Ian, I'm wondering if you could just start with telling us a little bit about that subtitle, uh, what that actually means and what the book is about.
1: Of course. Um, well, in 2008, I uh, woke up in the hospital to the knowledge that um, I had jumped off a balcony and that I had fallen seven stories. Uh, ever since that, I've been sort of going through this process of trying to explore and examine what it was that could have happened and uh, in this trauma memoir i try to share that process in writing
0: now what i think is really interesting about this book there's a couple of things that are really interesting to me about this particular book uh, but uh, one thing i think that's just on a fundamental level interesting is that in some respects i mean it, it's poetry uh of a certain type and it's investigating you know this actual kind of event in your life so you you call it a trauma memoir Uh, But there's a weird, interesting way in which I feel it is sort of a memoir uh, in fragments and fractures and, you know, collage together materials, but but sort of of an event that you don't really, you know, remember or fully remember in any, you know, real way. And so I just want maybe to start with that tension uh, that to me seems to sort of structure the book. Um, where you're sort of writing about an event in your own life which, you know, has had a massive impact on your life and yet, you know, one that you don't really have access to in the sort of normal or traditional way that people think of having access to their autobiography or to their uh, memoir memories. Um, So I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that sort of um, tension or that maybe disorienting process and how that uh, kind of fit into writing
1: the book. Well, I mean, it's a big consider- question, but <laughs> no, it's fine. I, uh, just considering the quality of this experience that I was endeavoring to document, uh, something coherent and chronological and narrative in that more traditional sense seemed really inappropriate. Um, if I if I talked about my injury and my recovery using linear prose from beginning to end, uh, as I know other people who are writing memoirs often do. Um, then I'd be submitting this this memoir to constructs of storytelling, and I was unwilling, or perhaps unable, to really describe my experience using a using work of prose. Uh, so I opted instead to write this creative process um, in a different style. Uh, I, I came to write it quite naturally as a collection of uh, prose poems at first, um, using found material that I would then arrange in a style that was inspired by a work of language poets. Um, so to accommodate for this absence of this sort of self-reflective autobiographical narrator, um, I call this writing in my memoir um, from other existing texts. So rather than describe this writing as, as sort of an intellectual resource for research, it becomes more of a creative, my found materials create um, material resources or sources uh, for this creative process. So I, I wrote this memoir using uh, a lot of found the texts that I encountered around my injury, including my medical records, the get well soon cards, my, um, all of the, the writing and correspondence between my friends and family about my recovery, uh, all became sort of writing that I would source to help me, uh, talk about this thing.
0: Now I was doing a, a uh, degree at the University of Calgary, uh, around the same time you were. So I, if I remember correctly, you were an undergraduate when I was there doing my PhD, you hadn't quite entered the master's program, if I recall. Um, um, yeah. and at the time, if I remember right, you were working on a collage, a similar sort of collage text or, or where you were using some sort of source materials. Um, and you were mostly writing about zombies. Yeah. Um, so, When I I thought it was interesting because, of course, when I heard you had a book out, I immediately thought about the zombies. You know, I thought, oh, Ian's finally finished his zombie book. Um, (laughs) But then when I saw this book, uh, I I thought, well, that's interesting because, of course, it makes sense that you would write about this. Um, But I thought thought it was very curious that you're using a lot of the same techniques that you had been using. Because on one hand, it, of course, made sense. I mean, that's the stuff you were doing and learning and the kind of way you were writing. Um, but in some ways it seemed like it almost better suited this particular uh, subject rather than, you know, the, the zombie material. But I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the zombie book you were writing before this and kind of how maybe that uh, type of writing you were engaged in uh, kind of fed into this particular book.
1: It's a really great question. I, uh, uh, so reinserting myself into university uh, during my recovery was a huge challenge. I... I didn't really know how uh, my brain injury would affect my studies or my ability to really compete in or engage in this academic world. and uh, but thankfully, I had a fantastic mentor at the time, Christian Book. Uh, he took me on, and um, he was he was very, very generous in being able to uh, give me sort of access points to get me back into writing. And I had already been writing this project, this, this zombie project, where I uh, discovered that the newspaper was reporting uh, events in ways that started to really resemble horror movies that I was watching and a fan of. So I, I would take the writing from the newspaper, and I would Sort of rearrange it and cut it up to uh, rewrite the newspaper to document the zombie apocalypse. It was a really fun, if not really exhausting, uh, creative writing process. The, um, but it was, it, it taught me a lot, actually. By 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 transcribing the newspaper every day and by sourcing this this horrific material, um, I it it was. Uh, In some ways, it could be argued it was uh, one way for me to to process uh, the the horrors that I was living through every day, but by sort of looking to the horrors that the outside world was sort of enduring, it helped me to really contextualize my own experience. But in another, it was uh, a really great way to engage with text as materials, which eventually inspired the writing process behind Air Salt.
0: Now, now I remember when this accident happened, because I was in Calgary at the time, and I remember visiting you in the hospital and bringing you uh, some CDs of, like, stand-up comedy and stuff.
1: <laughs> I still listen to those, actually. Thank you so much. <laughs> well,
0: you're welcome. But um, if I remember right, I brought you some Mitch Hedberg and some other things. But uh, <laughs> but but what I thought was, uh, you know, a kind of, just kind of looking back on it, what it was kind of an interesting, uh, you know, odd uh, thing about it when you start, you know, when I kind of look at this <laughs> book. Like uh, you know, this um, I think a lot of people, when they kind of are thinking about writing about their life, uh, for you know good reasons, are thinking very much about themselves being the sort of narrator of their life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense? And and I think what's the kind of interesting about Aristotle did is you've in some respect made all these other people, um, you know, the degree the sort of main mediators of your own experience. Um, and there are ways in which you kind of have inserted yourself in there. You've got, for example, these poems where you've italicized certain words to kind of almost have a second poem inside of the first poem. And you've got, you know, uh, other things where, you know, it seems very much like you're writing in the f- more or less in a, in a first person. Um, but uh, I'm curious to know, like, and this evening just harkens back to your zombie project before, you know, uh, any of this Uh, stuff had happened Uh, I'm curious to know like what your attraction is to uh, the idea of taking your own experience or your own you know kind of you know emotions even like emotion like horror reading the newspaper say uh, your own kind of you know reactions which normally are the things that people express in poetry and instead kind of moving them in the background and kind of coming at everything in the second third hand way where you're kind of moving through or cycling through or it's just kind of collecting the voices of people like what attracts you about that process of using found text
1: well in large part the the process of this this writing uh practice that uh, where people are invited to um writers and, and students of creative writing are invited to, to speak from from themselves or from their own uh perspective and using their 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 own voice uh was, was strange and disorienting to me because i didn't uh, necessarily understand where or how this true authentic voice could come from. Uh, it was, I, I, cause every time I was talking, I always felt like I was just reflecting the language that I had been taught, uh, that, that were the other people around me were using. I was, um, communicating and in, in the way, the best way that I knew how, and, uh, considering, so writing, uh, my, the most engaging writing that I have found, the most accessible way for me to write, uh, has always been to, to sort of take the writing that I encounter and to reframe it in a way that's more suited to my position and then reflect back. The, considering the accumulation of found text that I use in AirSalt, I don't, I don't, can't really claim to have written this book entirely, but I prefer instead to compare it to sort of a, a kind of a process of orchestral composition or Sort of a continued fragmentation and rearranging of multiple texts uh, by including these multiple and other narrators uh, by using found poetry. Um, I can I can I'm using the language of these other authors and usually enforcing this sort of arbitrary constraint to try to find a way to better express this position that I occupy as someone who's living with this traumatic brain injury, uh, which which in many ways interferes with this. I feel, uh, my ability to recall things, my ability to express and describe and to cohere things in this linguistic format. Uh, so, so write, found writing just seemed like the most, uh, accessible and obvious route for me to express myself.
0: I feel it's almost cubist in a way where uh, as opposed to sort of, you know, looking at things in this single perspective, as you say, the kind of voice we're encouraged to develop as writers, uh, in, a, in a sense, you're sort of almost manufacturing a voice in between the voices of you and others. Um, it's almost like the text, I feel, is kind of putting, is almost um, speaking in a way. Um, yeah. or trying to get at you know somewhere between everybody's accounts of you know in this case uh, this particular event that happened where you know you, f- you 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 fell off this building or from this balcony um uh, I, it seems to me like the, as opposed to sort of trying to privilege a single position you're sort of trying to get at this weird space between the positions where maybe the truth you know of the event lies if if mm-hmm. that, if we can say anything like that would exist um is that uh fair to say or or is and is this something that you were always sort of interested in before even when you were working on the zombie book and, and kind of other uh stuff be, you know before you
1: began working on this well I, I can't say what i was up to before uh again my, mm-hmm. my is really distorted to that effect, but I um I can say that this sort of process of of creative triangulation through multiple voices and multiple authors and various texts is uh, definitely something that um, captures my imagination because it does feel to uh, a more uh, it feels to me like a more genuine and a more sort of scientific way, if I may be so bold, mm-hmm. to uh, try to identify uh, some kind of essence of expression uh, when there are multiple voices speaking towards the same event. Do you think I, that? Sorry, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking here. Please continue.
0: Do you think that the um, the process of being in the creative, like in the creative writing program, uh, and working on a project, you know, as a sort of thesis project, you know, to, to kind of defend it, like you know, as a sort of artistic project, played into your process at all?
1: Absolutely. If I was just writing this for myself, it, um... It would be very, very different in format. Uh, a lot of my education, I feel, was an exercise in formatting my thoughts and experiences so that it could be more accessible to a broader audience. Um, a lot of my education was just figuring out how to, you know, put things into MLA and and to call my my experiences and my writing and my incoherent ramblings into a more succinct and direct form of communication that I could offer to my to my supervisor or to my classmates or to my peers. And colleagues, so this um, my education experience. My, my education uh, was was one that really challenged me to uh, be as clear and direct with my use of language in ways that, if I was just producing language for my own self reflection, it would have been uh, far more uh, far less, I should say, accessible to an outside readership.
0: You know, it's interesting for you to say that because I, I feel very much the same way that, like, again, I went to Calgary. Uh, University of Calgary as well and uh, I felt very much th- that it was the same sort of experience where I was really being challenged to um, not just do my own do my work which you know you have a lot of pressure to actually do the work uh, when mm-hmm. you're in that kind of a you know, program but also to justify sort of how I was doing things and what mm-hmm. I was doing. Um, you say you were working with a Christian book and then later you worked with Robert Majels. Um, uh, and both of those people are very much you know bo- they both are very much um I'm trying to think of the, like they're people who will demand that you articulate <laughs> what it yeah. is that you're doing and why right uh, and I I've always found that's kind of a was a valuable experience for me and I, I feel it served me well um, but I have talked to many people who find that you know uh they're very kind of negative about that sort of scenario or about that graduate school as a place that, you know, they Mm -hmm. feel, again, kind of irons out their voice. I always thought that was in some ways the value of graduate school was kind of getting me beyond my own um, perspective uh, and having to kind of think, as I say, kind of in a broader way about where I'm locating myself and what I'm doing uh, and what other people are doing and how can, you know, I uh, be part of a conversation as opposed to just sort of, you know, talking to myself. Um, So to me, like, the form of your book is really interesting in that respect as well because I think you're quite literally um, inviting people in uh, to, you know, express uh, how they sort of feel uh, about, you know, what happened to you even more than, say, trying to express your own um, point of
1: view. Hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. I am definitely resonating with this experience that you had in grad school where it feels like you were uh being called to be held accountable to this writing that you were taking on and then to uh situate it in this, this broader discourse this conversation that you know this was english literature or canadian literature and uh and that that pressure is definitely one that uh is is uh felt by all students i think that go through the program and and that's those those stressors can be quite overwhelming and i know uh for many um, can feel quite oppressive um so yeah the the writing of aerosol was one where I, I really wanted to to call people in and uh help them recognize that um this language that they're using uh to talk about a thing is is just one of many voices and if i can um Help to to sort of situate and frame and sort of juxtapose these voices with this this collage of other voices around a particular topic of conversation. Then then I can create conversation or I can point towards the conversation that's occurring within a particular uh, subject. And then this in the case of aerosol, assault, it was it was my recovery.
0: Now I also really appreciate uh, the way that you have uh, included a, a lot of material that is sort of meta material in the sense that you've got these voices reflecting on the text itself. So it it seems clear that at some point you had given uh, drafts of this to somebody uh, and then you'd gotten feedback from them and then you'd started incorporating some of the feedback in. So on page 60, for example, you have, you know, I don't... I don't know if a book length work can sustain this many choppy excerpts. (laughs) You've got like lines like this where it seems very much like somebody has read a version of this book and then given you some negative feedback. You just put that feedback (laughs) into the book or constructive criticism and whatnot. And so I'm curious to know if like, could you talk a little bit about that process? Like how you, you wound up with material like that and incorporated it and like, are these comments from Robert or, or, or what are they? They're,
1: they're, they're comments from Robert. They're comments from everyone who was in my, uh, manuscript writing creative writing workshop with uh with robert and they included a collection of other uh authors you may be familiar with holly adams uh, was the person who made that comment about the the choppy ex- excerpts uh i know that um, sandy pool was also part of that creative writing workshop there was uh, a number a number of others and they all uh because we were, we were. Robert invited us to uh, write process statements, and then uh, everyone in that were writing creative writing workshop was invited to respond to that process and to respond to the uh, submission for that week. Um, so it was again another exercise where we were being asked to um, sort of frame our uh, not only our writing but also the, our response to the writing. And I and I used those responses uh, and I and I sort of called and collected them uh, as, as more material for for the book, um, which which I thought was. Uh, quite quite engaging and fun because then it becomes this, this self-reflexive moment where the writing c- starts to to talk about itself. But um, can you repeat your question again? I'm just, I'm just I, just, rem-
0: I just wanted to know that you asked the question. I just wanted to know a bit more about exactly what, where those things came from and kind of process uh, and why you included them. The other sort of thing that kind of is interesting on in terms of those meta-textual moments is you've got these uh, other lines that it seemed clearly from medical documentation, but also, uh, you know, when, when, of course, they're put in the context of a poetry book, start to read like they're commenting on the poems. So you have mm-hmm. on page 39, the line, patient does not make appropriate words, uh, which, uh, of course, you know, must be, you know, f- source for medical documentation, but seems in the, when reading the book, to refer to the process of the poetry book. Um, and I'm curious... When you were looking at this language, so now you're a poet, you know. Looking at language, you're looking over uh, police records that you've uh, you know, requested under the Freedom of Information Act, uh, if, if I am correct. You're looking mm-hmm. at medical records uh, that you may have. You're accessing in various ways. Um, I want to know just one, a bit about the process of gathering these materials. Like, what did you actually do? So, first off, what did you actually do to gather? some of this material
1: well the first thing I did because uh, I was spent a lot of time in hospital waiting rooms was um, I pocketed all of these brochures that I would that they would take in because the hospital is sort of saturated with this propaganda about either self-care how to take care of yourself during your own recovery how to, how to understand your your particular medical condition um, how to seek help things like this and uh, so I, I took all of that material and I, and I took it home with me and um, because I thought at one point surely this would provide some basis for a poem. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I did that because eventually, eventually it did. I uh, and then during my my graduate studies, I. Uh, I, I it was it brought to my attention that I could access my medical records through the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. So I, I approached a disclosure analyst and I and I requested my records. And uh, there was there was some charge associated with that, but thankfully the Department of English was was happy to fund the research. So I was uh, able to access my medical records that way. But I um when you're when you spend a couple months in the hospital, you accumulate. A large amount of, of text. Um, every every nurse's chart for the day, every doctor's notes, uh, all of the X-rays, all of the, the CT scans were um, just this this bulk of text that I eventually took home with myself. Um, so that was part of my research process. I, I, I went through that and I would identify uh, sentences or phrases that felt appropriate or that just kept repeating themselves uh, that I could that I could use to help write the book. I um, The process was something that – I initially when I started writing, I I tried to exposit my experience using this – more of a conventional storytelling as I was talking about earlier. But it was just – it felt contrived. It felt impossible. Using these records and just sort of manipulating the language to create poetry was um, – again, felt – more intuitive and natural to me uh the the process of revising it and revisiting it and then revising it and revisiting it is something that i've been doing uh since my master's thesis and which i, I graduated in 2012 but then i submitted to the university of calgary press in 2018 uh, or 2019 so it was uh, this is something i've been i've been processing and culling and cultivating and revisiting and editing uh for for quite some time it's 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 the writing of this book is uh very much entangled in my own recovery process as i continue to reflect on and process uh this injury that i'm that i live with
0: what was it like to go through that that medical uh, and legal material
1: super alienating i um and then disorienting just to 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 see myself through the eyes of these, uh, medical practitioners, um, I, I, I became this sort of nameless figure that was just a 22 year old right-handed native speaker of English. Like uh, this was, this was how I was sort of situated in their, in this, in this medical narrative. And this is, those, th- those seem to be the most important, uh, characteristics of myself for them. And so that was, that was just like how I came to be myself as a 22 year old right hand of native speaker of English. And, uh, and when, when, and, or, or just a patient number some, or just as a patient number. And, uh, and my, my injury, um, became the most defining characteristic of myself through the eyes of these medical professionals. And, uh, and, and so that was, um, really really i mean like my, my my identity was in many ways uh sort of supplanted by this by this medical jargon um so to revisit that and to revisit that again and again uh i felt the need to resist against it if i could and by uh calling and cultivating this poetry and then reflecting it back on itself i i that was sort of a, an attempt to sort of subvert and to parody uh that language if i could.
0: And. What was it like to kind of just see the mass of text, uh, as you say, that's kind of relating to yourself, but not really have um, the same uh, coordinates uh, that maybe, you know, to kind of process it? Like, I guess the question maybe more cleanly would be, when you're looking at all that material and kind of how much language attaches itself to a person, was there a way in which you felt that this was a method of getting control of that material? Or did you feel like this was a way of making it like undoing controls that the language was maybe trying to place?
1: Well, I that makes total sense. Um, cause I, I feel like in many ways it could be described as having, uh, engaged in both of those strategies to sort of take control of myself through this language and to sort of undermine that language by manipulating it and distorting it as I do. Um, cause the, that's, I don't know the the language of uh, medical practitioners is, is one that's focused explicitly on the pathology of the thing and i know that i'm more than than that and i know that uh, my experiences and and this 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 person that i am is extends beyond uh just those collection of symptoms that are relevant for for treatment in those cases so it was really important to me that i look beyond and outside of the medical narratives because that authority and that meta-narrative was was one that i was trying to break away from uh so i often include Um, these these correspondences between my my friends and my lovers and and my family uh, as they're talking about uh, me during my recovery, that language was uh, far more personal and far more intimate in ways that uh, allowed me to gain um, different perspectives and to introduce new voices into the writing Um, the get well soon cards that I received for example uh, all provided um, these really sentimental moments that uh, were in stark contrast to this medicalized uh, sort of distancing uh, that I, I experienced to through, the, through the, the doctors and nurses charts
0: I find that anytime you have two types of language like that that are in some formal contrast so as you say kind of sentimental language versus uh, totally unsentimental language uh, it, but but anytime there's a contrast in language like that I feel like it's a it's a fertile ground for poetry uh, because mm-hmm. so much to, to me of what poetry is is a tension between these sort of two types of things these two t- two uh, things happening, um, and so I'm wondering a little bit about your process. Like, just if you could just kind of drill right down to the, precisely how you might actually put a poem together when you're kind of working in this way. So, because this is a fairly unusual way to work in, in the sense that you know most people just kind of think of a thing and write it down, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But you're doing a different process. It's very much a collage process in some respects. You're very much uh, taking you know, you've got a very narrow set of found text in a manner of speaking, mm. but there's still a lot of material there that you're going through. Uh, and then you're kind of making decisions about how to uh, excerpt things, how to put it together and so on. So I just want to walk a little bit through that process for, you know, writers who are listening to this and who absolutely maybe want to know a bit more about how to do that. So number one, um, when you first decided to kind of, do something, Uh, maybe you didn't have clearly an idea for the book at this point, but you decided to really start working on some sort of project with this material. How did you decide what material you were going to look at versus what material you were going to exclude?
1: very good question um the first thing the first sort of step in this process as i mentioned before was just sort of the collection of of text um pocketing those hospital brochures gaining access to my medical records um collecting all of those get well soon cards not throwing them away as my mother would otherwise have have preferred i i, I accumulated them and, and how i was able to sort through them uh, was uh i i took on this sort of arbitrary constraint i said that um going to write this book in a series of sections and in each section there's going to be a different number of voices speaking or a different number of texts that I include in that particular poem so in the first section I'm only going to write a poem using uh text from a particular found source uh whereas in the second section I'm going to include voices or uh texts from from two sources or two there'll be two speakers in that particular poem and then in the third section of the book I'll I'll start to combine language from three different sources and so on and so forth until the seventh final section where I'm including and combining uh, writing from seven found texts or seven different sort of speakers are all sort of coming together in a kind of a chorus and, um, and it was really interesting to see, uh, how those voices, uh, would sort of collude and combine, uh, through this creative writing exercise where I was trying to, to, to rearrange this writing again and again and again. Um, so it was very systematic, uh, in, in, and then well sort of step by step and it was the best, uh, help, a really helpful way for me to approach this
0: mass. It's that you say systematic to describe that process because it does, very much sound like a systematic process, but as you also noted, it begins with a kind of arbitrary set of decisions. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm just going to do this. And then, and then like, you're going to do that very systematically. Uh, I think yeah. that that's a, a, a good strategy that a lot of people um, don't do, which is to just decide on doing something. Uh, mm. I see so often people will try to find the perfect system for, you know, how they're going to you know, approach a project and they will, as a result, keep procrastinating the project. And what I always, you know, find is useful is just to start with an arbitrary thing that gets you going, and then start to slowly systematize it. If, or even just come up with a, you know, again arbitrary system and pr- do that, because you, of course you could always change things that are Did you keep? Did you keep that uh, system at, in any way, or did you switch that? Because I don't see the book divided into sections in a clean way. I mean, it may be.
1: It was the, the my master's thesis was more cleanly divided into sections. I, I was able to to divide these sections quite explicitly using uh, images of my hematoma or my brain injury um, that sort of served as as an erasure of this of this language of um, that I would encounter in, in my medical records. So it was more explicit in my my master's thesis, or the creative component of my master's thesis, these sections. But I um, as I as I went on to revise and revisit and uh, rewrite this 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 process i uh the the sections began to sort of dissolve into one another and things started to get a little bit rearranged and and disordered um but you're right there the the impulse to develop a system was by itself quite arbitrary like why seven sections why seven voices well i guess because i fell seven stories and seven is a really fun number to play with but um there there were of course many many more voices and sources of text than that i um
0: Seven is also a biblical number, and you've got this biblical, you know, illusion, the fall. Um, Mm. And and so, maybe as a side note, it'd be interesting to know to what degree you see yourself playing with that idea.
1: I don't see any biblical references or or inspirations in in the composition of this book.
0: Yeah, I really don't see much in the book itself I just the title the subtitle and the number seven kind of just brings it to mind but i was wondering if there was you know stuff hidden there that i wasn't aware of
1: not intentionally no i mean i was i was raised christian but i uh certainly um didn't ex- extract from those teachings or that theology when i was writing this book it was uh, something that i i took on from my studies of creative writing and, and english literature
0: now, once, you've, once you had this sort of seven-section uh, approach, you've got this kind of systematic way that you're going to kind of move through the composition of the book. Uh, how did you go about actually then pulling excerpts? So when you're actually looking through the material, so now you've, you've selected mm-hmm. down to, you know, here's the material I'm going to look at. Um, here's the sort of number of voices. I'm going to have in each section. Uh, but then when you're looking through the material and pulling things out, what were the kinds of things that you were looking for? It's like what kind of made... Uh, you pull a piece of text?
1: Like, what are the kind of qualities so, you were ex- seeking? Well, I to I, I learned a lot from that creative writing pro- project that I took on with Christian, where I went to went the newspaper and I was trying to identify uh, the most uh, emphatic or, or, or horrific uh, writing that the news was using to, to talk about uh, the events that it was reporting on. Um, to, and then, so when I was keeping an eye out there, I was just like, I was like, what? in this particular news article sounds like it could be from a horror movie um what are the most where where is that language doing the most uh, work where is it trying to scare me where where do i feel um that that there's there's that that energy and uh, so when i go through my medical records i'm looking for just this this sort of energy like where where do i feel affected um like there, there there's so much here and there's so much statistics and they're just so um depersonalized that uh when i when i go through and i find something that's just like uh there there's there's an emotional tenor there you can tell that there's something that speaks to me or that was either um speaking to or through the writer in that moment uh so i'm going through with the sensitivity uh and as an, a sense of empathy of what um i feel i'm feeling or what i feel this this author might be experiencing um so it's it's a really emotional uh I'm 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 going through this material uh, with an eye for and a sort of it's for, or or my heart. I don't know how to describe it other than than like what um what's affecting me. And uh, so then, and then I take those moments and then I collect those um, because they are they're, they're the shining language moments. There's there's something interesting happening in there that I can revisit and then potentially use to to write the poems later on. Um, so there's a lot of sort of sifting through and uh, identifying and reading and rereading and being like, ooh, that's. That's a good one. And uh, by bringing, uh, I didn't always have that sensitivity. I part of the reason my creative writing workshops are so helpful is because my my colleagues were able to identify the the most emphatic and um, emotional moments for them. And I was just like, oh, that's 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 great advice. Thanks. And I would take those and and um, and focus on those moments more.
0: It's interesting that you're looking at you're looking for sort of emotional moments, or moments that kind of cause an emotional reaction, but yet you're looking predominantly a text that is designed precisely to not inspire emotional reactions mm-hmm. uh so it's interesting to me because uh, it's an example of sort of uh, what, what something i think fundamentally poetry is good for uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of taking language and making it do things that it's not meant to do using it wrong you know in a manner of speaking um Th- very much that kind of uh, defamiliarization technique that Shklovsky you know, talks about in uh, his old old essay, uh, and that's something I think that I mean I certainly l- learned a lot uh, from Christian himself, uh, and the other uh, and Robert and uh, Suzette. Mir was my um, uh, my main mentor in that writing program and the person I did the manuscript course with. Um, yes. But uh, Maisels and Um, Christian were also on my committee and I got a lot of feedback from them when I was you know going to school there and they all kind of have different approaches but I think one thing that they have in common is that uh, way in which they're kind of sort of interested in this language that maybe is being used in an unusual manner or to do things that is sort of not meant to do or Uh to twist it in kind of ways where it could refer to something that it's not intended to refer to. What I see a lot in this book um, is the uh, this medical, especially uh, medical and pre- police uh, procedural language, where it seems like it's talking about the process of writing the book. Mm. Uh, although it's of course intended it's talking about you, you know, as a patient, uh, you know, your, your inability to use words or, or in a in. The right context which of course is uh, a weakness uh, in terms of trying to you know recover from a brain injury uh, and I thing they're trying to kind of get you out of you know trying to make you like normalize your uh, you know language abilities in a manner of speaking to you know to, so that you can improve communication and articulate uh, more cleanly and without the possibility of confusion but Once we come to the realm of poetry, all those same quote-unquote weaknesses are now strengths. (laughs) You know, miscommunicating becomes a sort of value, uh, an artistic value in poetry. Um, And saying uh, a thing in a way where it could mean multiple things instead of just one single thing. So all of a sudden your clear communication uh, goes out the window, but you have this broader, um, deeper sort of possibility for communicating um, or expressing uh, ideas uh, so I'm curious to know a little bit of your thoughts on that um, tension that like how is it to actually be in a recovery process where on one hand you're trying to you know normalize your ability to communicate with language and then also as a poet you're trying to you know not normalize uh, and, like, mm-hmm. really delve into this kind of abnormal way of communicating with language? Like, what was that sort of experience of moving back and forth like?
1: Well, I, I feel like that tension is uh, most clearly expressed in the, my master's thesis, where uh, there's a creative component and uh, a critical component. And in the critical component, I'm, I'm doing my very best to um, provide the a uh, survey of a particular topic and to explore and present it uh, from this very academic and, and scholarly lens. Um, so the, the challenge for me there was to be as coherent and as clear uh, and accountable to my process as I could be. Um, whereas in my creative process, I was... Um, my invitation was was to again play with these language moments to make things uh more new and interesting and uh clarity what might not necessarily be the primary objective in in that context um, so the the process of of making the language strange is really uh again something that I was working with throughout this and i, I recognized as I started to to uh, Borrow this language that certain metaphors started to to sort of occur. Um, that, whereas specifically the image of the cast and the image of the broken bone and the the image of my own uh, severed spinal cord became metaphors for uh, this coherence uh, of not only my own body but also this body of work that I was accumulating, and uh, how this sort of fractures that occur within the text. Um, Resemble or reflect the fractures that occur within my body, and how this sort of formal process of combining it and bringing it and cohering it uh, into a particular verse um, resembles a kind of process of of casting uh, these these fragments and hoping that something sticks. It's a, it's a really organic process, and at the same time, very very informed through um, a process of of structure and repetition. And, uh, the, the idea of repeating things was, uh, really inspirational, uh, for, for me in writing this, because uh, one of the most effective methods to rehabilitate in any context is just to keep trying. Um, if you can't walk today, you try walking again tomorrow. If you take one step today, you take two steps again, and you just keep doing it, and you keep taking the same methods and the same motions again and again, and progressively, or eventually, um, you'll be able to run, and eventually I, I was, which was uh, really important for my, my own recovery, And I and I took the same sort of methodology applied to this writing process and and these phrases um these sentences and phrases would repeat themselves um this idea of being able to focus this idea of having this image of this cast this idea of, of having a spinal cord that was fractured that it was having to realign itself the the opportunities for mobility that gave license to was all um the more that i Revisited that language, the more that I was able to um, recycle those turns of phrase, the the more interesting they became. Uh, I was able um, to—no repetition was ever the same. Um, There was always some kind of growth or some sort of novelty that I was uh, continuing to express and explore. uh, The longer and the more frequently that I I came back to this this phrase, Um, some some phrases repeat themselves again and again, and I don't feel like any any phrase is ever saying the same thing twice.
0: Do you feel this book, uh, and this project, was important in your recovery?
1: Truly, I, it's 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 part of my recovery. Um, it's it, and it has been since the beginning. When I was collecting those brochures in the waiting rooms, too. Um, even when I was working uh, on that zombie project with Christian, uh, that was developing skills that um, I would later use to help me write to help me write this book. And uh, and throughout my graduate studies, I was always working on Air salt, even though it wasn't called Air Salt at the time. And even now that Air Salt's published, I'm, I'm still <laughs> writing. I'm still revising. And I'm taking these poems and I'm 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 erasing them. I'm I'm peeling back more and more of this extraneous material, and I'm getting more to this sort of essential expression uh, because there are, the poems are starting to speak. Uh, by themselves it seems it's really quite uncanny to see um, what sorts of voices are coming together and through this language and uh and, and and through that i i learned something about uh not just this writing but also um recovery itself
0: well thanks so much for talking to me ian and i, I appreciate it and i uh, uh people should really check out air salt uh, that's the name of the book, Air Assault, a Drama Memoir as a Result of Fall by Ian Killeney. So I'll post uh, links to, um, you know, where people can find more information about that uh, up at writingtherongway.com. Um, and I just want to thank you again, Ian, for writing this book and uh, congratulations on uh, finishing it. A book is always an accomplishment. Um, but uh, I feel like this, you know, is a special... Especially significant accomplishment for you, given you know this the, <laughs> the real uh, um, difficulties. I can only imagine, uh, you know, trying to put this project together.
1: Thank you very much, Jonathan. I it's, it means a lot uh, hearing that from you because I during my undergrad, I I looked to you as, as one of those authors who was who's publishing all of this this interesting work and and who constantly engaging in their community and and talking about writing and those. Those are important conversations, and I'm I'm really grateful that I was able to bear witness to them. And uh, and now, um, just with you being able to speak to that and to to reflect on that, and you you taught me a lot, and I'm very very grateful for this opportunity to to reflect on this now. And and thank you very much.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon. I hope. Ha- have a great day. Ian.
1: You too. Take care. <laughs>